Welcome to Tea and Teaching, the educational podcast you can listen to in your tea break. I'm Arthur Moore, and with me, as always, is Mike Harrell. Hi, Mike. Hi, Arthur. How are you? I'm not too bad. How's the UK suiting you? You've been back for a few weeks now? I've been back for one week and one day. I've got out of isolation two days ago, and I am freezing. It's so cold. I know it's not cold for people in the UK, but moving back from Thailand, I'm just in jumpers and coats constantly. So does this influence your tea choice? Are you on a different type of tea now you're back? I'm, I'm intrigued. It's increased my tea intake. So I've got something hot to hold in my hands, but I wouldn't say it's, it's changed my tea choice in any way, shape or form. It's PG tips in a mug nestled between my two hands. <laughs> and have you been watching, reading, doing anything exciting in isolation or since? Yeah, so I've been reading another running book because I can't get enough of running books. I should read an education book soon. I think it's on the list, but this one's called One Track Mind. And it's about someone trying to run 150 miles in 24 hours around a 400 meter running track. So it's uh, mundane to most people, but really interesting if you enjoy running. Well, like yourself, I've been watching something that most people might consider mundane, but it's interesting uh, if you like politics. So I've been watching the Is Blair it, sorry Brown. to interrupt, is it as good as the history of the metric system? No, have you watched it? I absolutely have not watched oh, it. I, I, I did listen to your recommendation last you episode, but I haven't, haven't followed it up yet. I'm sure millions of people have since I recommended it. So I'm now watching Blair Brown, The New Labour Revolution on iPlayer. It's a five-part series about New Labour, shockingly. Um, I'm up to episode four. It is phenomenal. One of the best political documentaries I think I've seen in a long time. And of course, their motto was education, education, education. So very apt for our podcast. Yeah, we'll see if we can get Blair or Brown on. That would be a scoop. It would be a remarkable scoop. I mean, we could probably get someone called Brown or Blair on, but it wouldn't be the actual person. But do you want to hear who we've got today, Mike, instead? I do. So they haven't been prime minister of the country. Um, but yet. If, yet. Good point. Yet. Um, but if you're on Twitter, you probably know them. It's Head Teacher Chat. As I said, if you're on Twitter, I'm sure you probably follow them or you see them retweeted all the time. So go put the kettle on, get yourself a cup of tea. And when we're back, we're going to be talking to at Head Teacher Chat. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Today, we're joined by Jonathan from Head Teacher Chat. Good morning, Jonathan. How are you? Morning. Uh, all good here. Yeah, really glad to be um, invited to this podcast. Looking forward to it. Excellent. For people who don't know about HeadTeach Chat, do you just want to give us a little introduction to yourself and kind of what you do with that community? Yeah, we run HeadTeacher Chat on Twitter. We've got Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn that profile as well. Our main profile is on Twitter and we have about 23,000 followers that join us on all sorts of conversations about education, a whole range of different things. So we've been doing it about seven years. And the reason why we started was because we were curious about questions about education. And at the time when we started, it was when most schools were going to an academy and we were just, um, we had so many questions. So like, which HR provider are you going to go with now when you move away from local authorities? So we we're all in senior leadership roles at the time, and we just had so many questions. And the best way we found was ask them on Twitter. And that's grown from there. And so nowadays what happens is that 
we get loads of questions from senior leaders in school and we try and help them and support them as possible to find out where the best answers to those questions are. So you say, oh, we decided to start that Twitter page. Where did that conversation, was that a situation you were in? Was there a question you were wanting to ask? How did that kind of organically grow? Well, it was, yeah, um, we wanted a new approach. It's a, an interesting story on some way. We wanted a new approach in our school that we were working in. And um, so Lucy, who runs Head Teacher Chat with me, she um, got in contact with Alison Peacock, Dame Alison Peacock now, and said, um, I'm really interested in your challenge approach. Can you give us some help? And she replied and said, yeah, more than happy to. And you're thinking, this is one of the leading experts in education in this country, giving us support and advice on how to lead our school. And we thought, wow, that's so powerful. We've never had that before. Normally we go to the local authority conference, we get some speakers, we come away, we come really inspired, but now we could actually talk and have a chat with some leading people in the education world. So it all stemmed from that. And um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. There's types of questions that people ask and um, what they want in and how we can support them. So it's a really interesting journey. And so over the time we have helped so many people. So we're really grateful for that. And that's what we're all about is actually supporting head teachers and senior leaders in school to get as much they can from things because it's a it's a lonely, hard job being a senior leader and listen to some of your podcasting and it's uh, that message of getting that right message across who do you go and talk to where do you get the advice from and actually twitter is quite a good platform to do that mike you you've been a senior leader in schools kind when do you start going to twitter to find those questions how did you start doing that i was already on twitter before i was a senior leader and then once i moved into that role you, you get the role and then you get into the position and i guess a couple of weeks in you realize that you you haven't really got a clue what you're doing you know as much as you think you're prepared for that role the minute you get in there you you come across so many situations where you're just totally unprepared for it and you know you've got a team around you but the ability like Jonathan was saying to reach out across a wider community and especially on Twitter where you know you can connect with so many more people of totally different you know, backgrounds from different parts of the country and you can get so much more input. Um, I think the feedback I've got from Twitter, from people, and the ideas I've, I've gleaned from it have been so valuable in terms of, of my journey as a leader. That's what we found out, is actually you get... Sometimes you can't always ask those questions in school. As a senior leader, you just, OK, might not ask that question in school. You're not quite sure what the response is. So we got our direct messages open so people can anonymously ask us a question we put it on a platform and you can guarantee there be at least someone out there who will be wanting to know the answers to that same question at that same point and we find that all the time it's yeah yes so powerful now and so, uh, people are so open to giving the answers and sharing ideas and things like that and it's great it's such a powerful um Powerful thing with Twitter and that network. It's like being in a classroom, isn't it? Where you see one kid ask a question and all the other kids go, oh yeah, I want to ask that question. And you say as a teacher, it's the classic line, isn't it? If you want to ask a question, that means there's lots of people want to ask the same question. And it's no different just because we're adults and teachers and senior leaders and head teachers. We all have questions we need answers to. 
yeah, and a whole range of different questions we have. Um, we had one the other day uh, on saying that um, they've been in the post for six weeks and starting to struggle and saying, actually, I'm finding this really hard. I want to be a deputy head again. I don't want to continue being a head teacher. And we think, such a shame, isn't it? Like, we've got people in our profession feeling like that. So um, we then point them in the right direction to get support themselves. So we can, we've got um, connection to um, wellbeing services and coaches and a whole range of things. So in the background, we do a lot of work on that as well. But we put the question up, the amount of support and the advice that people were saying, all really good advice to actually helping that person to actually get through the next couple of weeks and giving them options what they need to be doing. It's, it, it's so powerful. It's so good. And sometimes you just need someone to listen. Definitely. Um, have you found during the pandemic that those sorts of messages have, have increased compared to before it? I be honest, I found the last half term probably most questioned about that where people are struggling. I, I found it probably more in the last half term than the previous year. Not yeah. saying there wasn't it, but yeah, last half term been, I think, particularly challenging for um, senior leaders in school. And do you find because we're talking mainly about senior leaders and head teachers, as a, as a teacher in a school, you've got your department, you've got all the other teachers to kind of stand out before maybe you go out on Twitter. But once, Mike, I don't know if you've experienced this, once you become a senior leader, head teacher, principal, you're that person, you're supposed to be the person with all the answers. So it must be incredibly difficult to also have questions, but not want to show that you have those questions. Is that a common kind of thing that comes across to you, Jonathan? Yeah, very much so. It's um, one of the main reasons why we set it all up, because actually in a school, you've got a big community and all the teachers have all the other teachers they work with. But when you get to head teacher role, there's very few people that you can bounce off those ideas. And so what we try to do is create that platform that we could bounce those ideas off and help each other. And it is, there's very few people at the top in a school. And actually some people find it quite lonely and so you're always having to um, have a smile on your face, be welcoming to everyone, be that, that leave the, the office with a smile on your face all the time. And you're, you're trying to support people and help people all that time. Actually, not many people are thinking, OK, what about the well-being of their teacher? So it can, it can be lonely at the top, you hear, don't you? Yeah. Um, and it should be. I didn't find it myself, but uh, it's not like I, we do hear that um, quite a lot that people are struggling to find out and seeing the wood from the tree because it's so difficult at the moment for uh, school leaders. You've got the Ofsted that's coming out. Most people think the Ofsted's going to be coming up in the next year. Uh, you've got all the, still all the COVID situations. You've got staff shortage. Uh, you've got attendance in school. You've still got to um, meet all the criteria that actually running a good school it's challenging it's really tough in terms of your community what sort of questions kind of crop up nice in terms of categories is it the well-being of the head teachers and needing to, to kind of connect with someone to say look I'm feeling this are other people feeling it as well or is it more kind of questions about strategy and, and kind of policy and things like that 
we have a whole range of different questions. Um, quite popular at the moment is, can I get um, support from certain uh, things that I'm doing or uh, wellbeing support and things like that and seeing actually um, in other people are struggling at the moment as well. We also get um, questions about resources. So uh, has anyone used, what reading resources have they used at the moment? And so like we, we then help schools find the best reading resources. Um, we have sport premiums coming up at the moment. So we point them in the right direction of who can um, help out with sport premium. So we have a whole range of different questions that can be, um, oh, what was that? that was a, a really a strange one. Um, it wasn't really strange. It's like, um, I'm doing an interview to a caretaker the other day. Have you got any questions? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I've never had that one before. But there you go. We can more than happy to help. There's some interesting questions that came up. So a whole range of different things that we can, we can support with. So, And Jonathan, from your experience, when people reach out to Head Teacher Chat for a question or for support, are they reaching out kind of proactively? Like, I think I'm going to be struggling in the future. What should I do? Or are they already kind of past that tipping point where maybe the red flags have come up? I think it's past the tipping point when the red flags are starting to come up. Uh, yeah, it's it's tricky in schools, isn't it? Because you, who does um, look after senior leaders' um, well-being? Who's who's in charge of that? It's the chair of governors. So, if you're going to the chair of governors or the trustee, actually, you're admitting that actually you might have a problem. And actually, that's a that's a tough thing to do, really, because actually they might not be as sympathetic to you and. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. Mike's had some experience with senior management roles. Would you be open about well-being and um, that sort of stuff to your chair of governors and things like that, or the head teachers? Yeah, I was quite lucky. I worked with a really supportive head teacher and a principal. Um, but you, I think you always are aware that you don't want to come across like there's a problem. Um, as much as you know, you know, and we always say it to all of our staff, you know, if you're struggling, speak to us. But I think there's a, I think you alluded it to earlier, you have to turn up every day and put your game face on and you have to, you know, walk down the corridor, saying hello to everyone, making sure everything looks fine. And I think it'd be really easy for someone to struggle in the background and not have a support network or someone to go to within a school. Um, I was really lucky, especially like the other assistant head teacher in my school was you know, next door, go and sit in his office, have that chat, you kind of share if I'm having a bad day and, and he would do the same. But I, I can imagine there are some schools where the pressure's on and people don't feel like they've got that, that outlet or that possibility of doing it without kind of highlighting themselves as maybe a weakness or, or you know, a problem, especially I've come from international teaching and you're on year-to-year -year contracts. You know, someone has to make a decision every year whether you're going to get a new contract, um, which is, yeah, I guess there's an added pressure there as well. That's quite interesting because I, I had a question last night about international schools. And um, someone um, raised the question that actually in England, we think that international schools are a bit of a jolly. Um, yeah. That the view of schools in there, and actually, if you come back from an international school, and try to teach in this country, it's very challenging because actually the misconceptions are actually, you don't know what Ofsted's like, 
Uh, you don't know what the new curriculum's like. Is that true? That's a hundred percent, Jonathan. I, I've been on an interview this week where, you know, I I come back and I you know I know what good teaching is, but contextually, it's very different in the UK than it was five years ago when I left. Um, you know, I left as Progress Eight. Attainment Eight was coming in, um, and actually there was you know, you have to try and teach yourself these things. And but it doesn't mean that you're not a good leader. It doesn't mean you're not a good school teacher. It just means you've been working in a different context. And, you know, I think if I was looking to recruit, I, I would, I'd be looking at the, the skills of the person and, you know, knowledge, I guess, and, and contextual knowledge, especially is, is you're able to pick that up, aren't you? Someone's able to sit down with you and teach you that. Um, but I know there's a lot of teachers moving internationally now. And I know there's a lot of international teachers moving home, especially so on a two years without seeing friends and family was, was one of our motivations to come back. But the, the pressure of getting a job, and I know having worked in the UK, the views of people coming back from international school is like you said, they've been on a jolly or they've not, it's almost like they've not been on the front line. Are they going to be able to handle the pressures of the English school system? But then the international school system is probably harsher than the English school system because um, from the conversation I was having with someone yesterday that sort of like you have inspections every year and every five years if you go to Dubai it's sort of like um, every five years you have an inspection with seven people coming into your school for a whole week to monitor what the um, standards are like. Yeah and the, the flip side of that is I guess everyone I know works internationally works at a fee-paying school you've got parents who are paying an awful lot of money for their child to be there. And if your standards aren't up to scratch, the parents will soon let you know, um, yeah. you know, and they, a lot of the markets, they have a lot of choice. And if they're not going to go to your school, they'll withdraw their child and send them somewhere else. Um, so yeah, naturally the standards have to be very high and expectations have to be high. I think there's also yeah. a difference between the perception of teaching internationally and living internationally. And people get mixed up between the two. They're like, oh, look at the great time they had living internationally, the holidays, maybe a slight change in lifestyle, food, et cetera. And they mistake that for teaching internationally, which is, has different challenges. The challenges are different. doesn't mean they're, they're better or worse. Um, I worked just as hard in the international school um, as I think I did in the UK. It was just a different way of working and living. And then those two perceptions kind of come in. Mike, am I making sense there? Yeah, hundred percent. We used to say to teachers on interview because um, you you can only interview via you know Skype and and Teams and, and things like that. Yeah, you know, we used to say to them, "You're not coming here for a working holiday. You're coming here to work, and what you do in your holidays is up to you." Same as you know the UK. So it's you know people aren't there to, to you know have a, a couple of years off and have an easy ride. You know they go out there to work hard and but they they enjoy laying on the beach on their weekends and their school holidays which you would do if you're in the UK and the weather was nicer so yeah I think that would make a really good podcast what do you reckon <laughs> well only if we could get to the beach and record it from the beach I'd, I'd, oh, I'd and be on board with that <laughs> well mojitos and teaching <laughs> I mean it would work should we take a small break there Mike let everyone go get a biscuit fill up their tea and when we come back, we'll keep talking to Jonathan from Head Teach Chat. And maybe Jonathan will talk about some of the most common questions you get asked. And we'll talk about those. We'll see you all in a moment.
Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. We're here with Jonathan from Head Teacher Chat. Jonathan, the question I wanted to kind of ask you when we got you on was, what is the most common question you get asked and, and how do you help those people? What's your advice? Okay. I, I, not at this time of year, but in about May, June time, the most common question is, what question will come up at an interview? And what is the hardest question? And... At that time, there'd be loads of things, so it'd be for senior leaders and things like that. And then there was one that we did, um, we asked, what is the most bizarre question you had? Or, or this bizarre situation in it? And that was quite interesting because um, we had one person that turned up to an interview with a snake on his shoulders. Yeah, and so huh? like, I'm not quite sure how that um, works. So that was quite an interesting one. And then there was another one who said, um, they turned up and said the reason why this is for a senior management role, the reason why they really wanted this job was because they're really good at building a garage. <laughs> <laughs> and then some bizarre things on that. And then, then someone just broke into a song. So who would you rather prefer in a senior leadership role? S snake man, garage person or the singer? Mike. Oh, that's obvious. The snake person. Snake person for Jonathan Mike. Having lived in an environment with snakes, I'm definitely going to go to the garage. I think that's, especially if it's line managing DT, I think that'd be a, a very good skill set to have. I think that was the angle they were trying to get. They can um, project manage things and actually get things to completion. But um, it was slightly bizarre. Um, yeah. The snake person was basically trying to create a, a very creative curriculum. <laughs> it was working in some points, but... Uh, they've probably scared the interview panel. <laughs> a snake so theme. We have a whole range that. of different questions and things like that. Um, there's another one we have is um, what um, advice would you give to NQTs? Because um, there was always the thing, as an NQT myself, once a long time ago, they said, don't smile till Christmas. <laughs> yeah that was a school i i was in this school boys school in croydon and um they said don't smile until christmas and it's interesting some of the other advice that people were given sort of bad advice and good advice that they were given so that's quite interesting as well so did you have any great advice when you're an nqt in classroom of what you could be doing we we've actually done a couple of pods and kind of little bits of advice we've given mine was always and i sat like don't shout and I always say to teachers, don't shout, pointless. Like, you're not going to gain anything. Mike, do you want to bring out your classic phrase? Oh, the classic phrase is that children need to know that you care before they care what you know. Ah, oh, that's a good one. one. Yeah, it's a very good one. Yeah, my don't shout was a bit of a hoax one. It, 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 my don't smile for Christmas. Actually, I smile all the time. I, I can't stop smiling when I'm in school. I walk out of the office and go, I'm always smiling. It's just... That's me, but um, it's bizarre it's, advice considering. Still smiling. It's bizarre advice considering that schools are all about relationships, and you know students need to trust their teachers and and be able to relate to their teachers. And a teacher at the front for for twelve weeks, effectively not smiling or being nice to the kids, is a a bizarre piece of advice. Well, we we are talking thirty years ago now, <laughs> and it was an all boys primary school in um, South East London, and they're very quite um, formal approach to how it was done. So, um, yeah, it wasn't the best advice I ever had, but I didn't listen to it. Normally, 
I don't listen to many things like that. So um, I just carried on and just wanted to have a good time in teaching. So Jonathan, that's advice for a new teacher. What would your advice be to a new head teacher? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, advice to a new head teacher. Join us on Head Teacher Chat so you can, <laughs> you can find oh, out as much information. Um, the, that's the like best, you've um, got three wishes. My wish is for more wishes. That's oh, there you go. Yeah. There, yeah. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, what would be the best advice? Is uh, talk to people, um, get a network, get a supportive network, get a coach, get someone who you can be your sounding board for your ideas within your school or outside your school. And sometimes it's better not to be connected to the school. So um, you can have that confidentiality part of it. We, so recently, always... um, we recently spoke to um, a leadership coach, Jenny Bowers on a, on a previous pod and talk about the importance of having someone outside of your maybe context to talk to. Um, and I think that's people, something people may be starting to recognize more and more. Um, and I agree with you, if, if I was to suddenly be propelled into a head teacher role, which I think is unlikely in the present situation, getting a coach or a supervisor, I think would be really important. Mike, you, you've mentioned you're kind of looking for a job. What would be, you're going into a new school as a new senior leader. What would you do differently to your first senior leadership role? Don't jump in with both feet, I guess. Maybe just take that time. You know, you get new leaders and they come in and they want to change everything straight away. And maybe I was like that when I first got, because it was my first ever leadership position. So I, was, oh, I can change the world. I've got all these ideas. I've been working as a middle leader for years and I've seen great things and bad things. And I think I can implement this and that. And actually, I just, I would go into a school and not do anything for a term. Um not in terms nothing, of any work. Nothing at all. I don't think that would be. But no, I would just look at how everything works and take my time and speak to people um, and really do a, a kind of in-depth audit almost of your role within the school and, and where you see it going forward. And then I, I know we had um, the episode on dissent, isn't it? And, and when, when you get that input from staff um, and timing the input you get from staff around change, well, that's something I would definitely advise. Jonathan, do you notice different challenges from people who have been promoted to a head teacher um, internally and externally? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, we don't really find out that information on Twitter from questions, so it'd be more from personal experience more than um, internal one because I can't really share that sort of information. Sometimes we work out what school they're from from Twitter, but it's normally quite anonymous. As you worked out from head teacher chat there with me, yeah, um, yeah. If you're inside the school trying to do the changes, that must be really tricky, because everyone knows you're the deputy head, and then you move into a headship, and then it's a different role. It's a very different role in the sense of responsibility and what you have to do in schools. It's completely you can build up to it, but actually is a it's a hard role and especially in the school that everyone knows you're a deputy head who solves all the problems then you're going to headship where you've got to make all the decisions about that school and sometimes they're quite hard decisions and so you've been with that school for a long time you've known them for you've grown with that school and actually then you're going into awkward conversations with them it's that is hard 
but a lot easier if you're part of the head teacher chat community right well because we can give you advice on that there's sort of like we can tell you what stages to go well not me personally but there's great people out there who um can tell you and tell you what to say at particular times and how to go into the meetings thing that um i've never been in deputy head role that i was in went to headship in that role i went to another school was headship um so I, I can't imagine what it would have been like to do some of those decisions I was doing as a head teacher from being that head deputy in that role. And we spoke a bit a little earlier, Mike, you mentioned kind of in, embedding in. And Jonathan, you spoke about the person who had contacted you saying, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment. I don't know if there's an answer to this, but is there a, sign, a set time frame you tell head teachers to give themselves? Is it a term, a year, two years, an Ofsted cycle? What? How long do you feel a head teacher should take to kind of to settle in and consider the role before they do anything drastic, maybe. I think every um, school is in different contexts, isn't it? So you've got to look at the school context before you can make any judgment on what you're changing or what, what you're doing. So every school is different. Every school needs different focuses. Uh, the, the one thing to really focus on in the first term is relationships with the children, the staff, and the building those ones and taking time to work on those uh, relationships and the parents as well. They're all very important parts that what you need to do, what Mike was saying about earlier, schools are about relationships. So the Don't Smile Till Christmas wouldn't have worked as a head teacher. So you've got to be connecting with people all that time. So yeah. that was the main focus. I think there's a great bit. There's a great article by Patrick um Otley O'Connor who does about the first 100 days in school and in that he detailed what the sort of things you can do and all aspects so you're looking at finance looking at health and safety you're looking at curriculum so all those different things that you might be doing in the background to finding out where the school is actually you might not make any massive changes but I think you still need to make you've got to make changes they're going to be changes because someone else is sitting in that role so there will be changes of how things are done. Not everything can be the same because the head teacher is different and they're going to have different quirks and different ways of doing things and different preferences on how things are done. So, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? I was going to say, I think the minute you go into a new role, you, you automatically go into that learning pit, don't you? And you kind of, you almost take two steps backwards and think, I... I thought I knew what I was doing, but these situations are new and I'm learning. And I think it's knowing the distinction whether you're in that learning pit and whether it's a case of I'm going to climb out of this eventually and, and come out the other side stronger for it. Or if it's a case of I'm out the other end and actually this just isn't the job for me. I just don't feel comfortable in these situations. And this is this is not where my interests lie. I think it's... Um you need to remind yourself in any role when you get a promotion or you change role there's a reason you've been given that job there's a reason you've got to yourself to a place where you can apply for a, a head teacher role and then get that head teacher role so you've got skills you've got attributes that make you good for that role so don't in the first 10 days go i can't do this remember there's a reason you're there there might be a time where you don't want to do this and that's a different question but you you've got skills that you are bringing to the role trust in yourself it might take time but 
believe in yourself, create that positive mindset. When you leave the office, what did I do really well today? What's something I made a difference in? Who did I make a difference for? You need to join our chat because that's what we need to people to be saying all the time. Because that's what basically everyone's saying on um, when people was put out those questions all the time. And so like actually believe in yourself, keep on going, yeah, get through it. It's tough at the moment, but there is, you can ride through the storm. We'll start a subsidiary of called non-head teacher chat. Uh, <laughs> all those who aren't experienced, but just we're really good at giving advice that we don't actually use ourselves. Um, Jonathan, a question for me is, you know, a lot of our listeners are teachers uh, or middle leaders. What can they do in their schools to support their head teacher? Oh, great question. Um, there's many things they can do um, to support their head teachers. Just the, the simplest one is actually look at them, see if they're okay, and ask them a question, are you okay? Because you probably don't ask that too often. And say, go into your office and sort of like on a Friday afternoon, just to kind of, you know you've had a week like no other week, and just say, oh, are you doing something nice over the weekend? So change the focus of what's going on. And actually that would make a big difference to um, that school leader, that head teacher, how they're feeling about things. Uh, many other things, it's just being proactive with things. It's sort of like, uh, it's going like, okay, there might be a problem on the gates or something like that. So you go and deal with those problems that are happening in school that it doesn't always depend on the head teacher dealing with those problems. Um, if there's something in the office or something like that, or something in the corridors and things like that. It's just helping be proactive around the school, um, believe in the values of the school and actually show those values all the time. And that would be the best thing for it. For me, when you get a new head teacher, you quite often hear the phrase, I've got an open door policy, come talk to me. And what I want from my leaders and what I tried to do when I was a leader in school is, yes, I've got an open door policy, but I'm also going to step outside my office and come into your door. And I'm going to walk around the school because I can't just wait till a problem becomes a red flag that you come and walk through my open door policy that I have. Open door, yeah. doors work both ways. So I need to walk out before you walk in. Yeah, totally agree. Um, always was walking around the school, finding out what's going on at particular times of the day. So you're going, well, it's always outside of sort of like um, break duties, lunch duties, just, checking what's happening with you actually it's great talking to the children at that time finding out what they're doing and how they just getting to know them in some ways and um always interesting sitting in the staff room at lunchtime now isn't it did um head teachers in your school always sit in the staff i i didn't often do it but i used to make an effort to go in there and um have a chat and find out what's going on make coffee for people so my my first school I was in, um, we we weren't we didn't have a staff room. We weren't allowed staff room. We had to eat in. We had we didn't even have a staff room to go and sit in. So we sat in the canteen. Uh, sorry, the restaurant area, the restaurant area. Um, and when a new head teacher was given a role, and I he was a really good head teacher, really good coach for me, great mentor as well. But when he got the job, he said, "Oh, one of the things I'm really happy about is I don't have to eat lunch in the restaurant anymore. I'm going to eat it in my office away from everyone." And I found that quite difficult. So I like seeing people in the, in the staff room, um, in the canteen to kind of just have those, what are you doing this weekend conversation, not about work, um, how the kids, and you get to know people. Um, but then Mike, we've also had conversations. I think you've said 
there also needs to be a space away from senior leadership where people can talk. So that's quite a half balance to get right. Oh, Jonathan, what do you think? I can see you mulling over that one. Um, it depends on the context of the school and the type of school leader, isn't it? If it's um, one that wants to get the ethos of the school and the values of the school that actually we're in this together and want to help each other and support each other, then that might be more welcoming into the staff room. Uh, if it's one that is much more of a different type of context that um, is not trying to, not that they're not trying to do those values, but it's um, it, some schools are, it's the senior leadership team and the teachers, they're, they're very different and roles in the school and how they approach schools, isn't it? So, yeah, I can see some schools it might be a problem. I think there was one school I was in, and so like um, the, the senior teacher never went in the staff room, never went to the Christmas, the, the, never did all that one. And I thought that was always a shame. Um, I, I, I always believed in that there shouldn't be a, a hierarchy in school of how you do things. Everyone treats each other with the same respect and talk to each other, and there's no hierarchy in school. It's, it's interesting going in a staff room as a school leader, because I don't think you get, maybe the same conversations don't happen when school leaders are in there. Um, but you can definitely get a feeling of the atmosphere of the school. You know, the, the feeling you get in a staff room in the first week of the school year is very different to the feeling you get in a staff room the last week of the school year where, where people are run. And you can tell from walking in and seeing people's body language and seeing kind of how vibrant maybe the chat is where people's energy is at and, and maybe um, where people need support without them outwardly saying it. And that's basically, it's those corridor conversations, the staff room conversations are so important about wellbeing. It's a, that someone else is listening and interested in what you're doing. We are talking about earlier, it's sort of like uh, about that relationship. If you haven't got those relationships in school, then it's, it's a harder place. And you do need those relationships with, senior managers and teachers. You do need to carry on with those conversations, making sure you know what people are doing at um, weekend. Did you have a good weekend? If they feel valued then, don't they? And actually what you want everyone to feel valued in a school, children, staff, senior leaders. So talking about staff rooms then, they're a bit of bizarre places, aren't they? Really? I mean, normally at the end of the year, you find a the mouldy old apple that's left in the sort of like the fridge and those sort of things as well is sort of like I, I don't know um staff rooms are I always went in I took a teapot bag of tea bags a coffee pot a coffee machine put them in the staff room to help help everyone lower the time with it and then I even put dining tables in there because actually you're not sitting on these old children chairs in the corner of the room and sort of staff rooms are sort of like bizarre place. They always used to be half storage rooms, didn't they? I've seen a full mix. Yeah, I've seen some that are really, really comfortable and borderline luxurious. And I've seen some where you might as well be in the store cupboard. Definitely. I think it's really important to invest in your staff and have a space where they can go away. You know, I've seen so many staff eating lunch at their own desks. And I just think you need to get away from that classroom just for even if it's just for 20 minutes having a space away from everything and everyone that doesn't feel like an educational space, I think is really, really positive for staff. We've spoken before about the importance of 
in culture and organizations in schools and there's there's different ways to build a culture there's your policies your procedures the way your classrooms look but then there's those kind of indirect ways of building culture and a staff room is incredibly important to get to make your teachers a team you don't want a school full of teachers you want a team who work together and our staff rooms where we get to know each other as as people as well as teachers it's where we can i've seen prob- huge school problems solved in the staff room over a cup of tea in a really informal way and I've also seen people spot that something's not right like I might see a colleague of mine in the classroom who's fine because they've got their game face on they're teaching and in the staff room something's not quite right and you can pick up on those um so I agree Mike invest in your staff room not making it some kind of beautiful restaurant and uh home away from home but like it's a place where people can sit have a chat Jonathan you're completely right get a dining table there where people can sit around Get some comfy chairs, comfy chairs. And as Mike will know, always make sure there's enough microwaves for people to eat up their food. Oh, yeah. Well, in there, probably cleaning out the microwave afterwards. There's always one teacher that puts the soup in. It goes all over the place, isn't it? Even worse, there's always one teacher who brings fish in and tries oh, reheating their fish true. in the staff room. That's, that's, that's worse for school culture than anything you can do. Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, oh, that's awful. But it's always the sort of like someone who says um, the yogurt's has four years out of date in the fridge or something like that. Ah, yeah. oh, always had. Uh. I was the one who always used to go and clean it out at the end of the year and sort of like think, how is that possible? But there you go. <laughs> Check the fridge. Top tip from head teacher chat there. Um, oh no, Jonathan, that's not good. <laughs> as we come to the end of our conversation, John, I have got, I've got one more question. We kind of glossed over it earlier when we spoke about. Um, interview questions so kind of the last question for me is there's that someone who's applying for a head teacher role tomorrow and they want to know what's the most likely question they're going to get from your experience your community what's the question they need to sit down and prep before they go in that one question I know I know that's not how it worked but that one question okay so if it's for a head teacher's role it's got to be about well-being isn't it how are you going to improve improve the well-being of the staff in this school what are you going to be putting in place for that one because actually as we say it's quite an important thing to do probably not the best one of all the health and safety covid and things like that but there you go as we say how do you build those relationships in school i think it's always important to also be true to yourself think about what kind of head teacher you want to go in because as we've spoke about it's a challenging role. It's difficult. And if you go into a role where you're already not being true to yourself, those difficult days are even harder. Um, if you've got difficult days, but you're being true to your, your principles, your values, it makes it a little easier to, to see the light at the end. Totally agree. So really what you should be saying is what is your vision for the school in the first hundred days? What are you going to change and what are you going to be putting in place? There we go. That's what we're going to prep. Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find out more about Head Teacher Chat? I'll go on to Twitter, Head Teacher Chat, and see us on there. We do loads of other things as well. We do, um, we work with companies. So what we do is, we know we, head teachers are time poor. So we look work with companies to actually give them a network on our website of all brilliant companies that I couldn't find when I was a head teacher. And now we put them all in one place. So people can find them. So we found some brilliant companies like uh, a reading app. 
Uh, go read, absolutely brilliant reading that on there. There's another one called My School Year that has all the calendar dates of everything that you need for off the DFE on one place. And it's brilliant and it's free. So all those sort of things. And we do planners. Have you seen our planners on our head teacher chat? Lovely planners. Beautiful. Yeah. I love it. Love as well. planner. Yeah. You know, teachers like planners, don't they? <laughs> the highlight of my wife's who's a teacher's year, I think, is the week before she goes back, not doing all the work. Just, she sits down with her planner. I'm not allowed to go into the room for a half a day. She sits with her planner and she gets it ready. And it's when she's happiest, John Finn. It's when she's happiest. You, you know, Arthur, she's not actually doing anything with a planner. She's just used it as an excuse to get away from you for half a day, right? This is tea and teacher, Mike, not marriage. Arthur's marriage counseling <laughs> session. That's a different pod. Very good. Another day. Anyway, Jonathan, thank, you thank, you, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, no so find Jonathan at Head Teacher Chat on Twitter. Um, and we'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Tea and Teaching. Arthur, how did you find that chat with Jonathan? Really interesting, Mike. It was really interesting hearing the community that um, exists within head teachers and senior leaders and why it's so important. Um, and some of those questions coming up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I get why that question's being asked, why you wouldn't want to ask someone in your school. How about yourself? Yeah, I think he, the way he highlighted that senior leaders should be, should be seeking out people to speak to outside of their school and maybe even outside of education for me it was a, a real good takeaway and I can think of times in my career where someone externally who could just kind of give me a real uh, a good opinion but that wasn't connected to the decision or the school that would have been really really beneficial to me what was your key takeaway from today I enjoyed when Jonathan like we when we flipped the conversation we, I think you asked the question what can teachers do to support their head teacher and he, his answer was a really simple one of just seeking out the head head teacher your senior leaders and just saying are you all right how's it going especially on a friday i thought it was interesting how he noted that um because i spoke to head teachers before mike as we have both done it's hard to separate those two aspects of your your life because it's a big responsibility i know i've worked with head teachers where you have to be contactable every day of the year you have to be whether it's an email or a phone you have to be contacted for safeguard reasons and that must make it quite a lonely place so having someone just reach out in your school what are you doing this weekend how are the kids uh oh, did you see the game last night what where are you going for dinner those questions they're how we spot with red flags going back to the jenny bowers conversation um and i think that's important that we don't just expect our head teachers to look after us we look after our head teachers definitely and i think if you're listening to this and you're a teacher go and look after your head teacher after half term or, or in the new term and if you're a head teacher find someone external who you can use as a support um they're definitely very good takeaways and i've really enjoyed that chat today so thank you very much for listening i've been mike harrowell and as always he's been arthur moore uh, we look forward to you listening to next episode thank you for listening to this episode of tea and teaching if you've enjoyed the content of this episode, please feel free to share it with other educators. And if you're able to, please leave a review on the platform. And as always, thank you for listening to Tea and Teaching. <laughs>